Hey, and welcome to Digital Noir Presents Live from Pause Fest. I'm your host, Sam Davies. We've got some pretty exciting news this week. Uh, the dates for Pause Fest 2020 have been released. It will be on the 5th till the 7th of February. Beautiful, sunny Melbourne. So block out that time and get down. If you haven't been to Pause Fest before, you're missing out. It is three days of incredible talks and community activities around creativity, business, tech, entrepreneurship, a lot of very passionate people doing cool stuff. So definitely check it out. You can head to pausefest.com.au to find out more. The talk we've got today is with Jackie Bull. I spoke to Jackie uh, live from Pausefest earlier this year. She is the co-founder of Sidekicker. Sidekicker is a platform that uh, lets businesses hire temporary staff. She founded it at the age of 22. Um, It's now backed by Seek. We had a chat about what it's like to found a business at that age and and, and scale it quite quickly Um, and some of the challenges around that. Jackie is also a very passionate advocate of women in tech. It was a a great conversation. Um, So without further ado, let's dive straight in with Jackie. Oh, thanks so much for coming on, Jackie. It's awesome to have you here. Thank you for having me. Um, so I just had a, like a bit of a look into Sidekicker then. I didn't get to see your, your talk, uh, sadly. How'd it go? Oh, uh, yeah, it was good. It was, um, yeah, I was a bit nervous, but it went really well. And everyone, I had lots of questions after, so that's always a good sign. Have you done much of the kind of speaking circuit? or More panels. Yeah, okay. um, Not so much the stand and present yeah. type. Yeah. So it sounds like you've been on a pretty big roller coaster of a ride for the last seven or eight years now? Yeah, yep. Oh, about six years. Six yep. years? Wow. So, I mean, tell the listeners um, a bit about, I suppose, um, Sidekicker and um, yeah, w- what, what it does. And So, now, today, Sidekicker is an online staffing platform that connects thousands of workers with thousands of businesses in Australia and New Zealand um, for temporary jobs in the hospitality events, office support and warehousing space. Um, but my talk today was kind of about the journey from when we first began. We were a, a marketplace for personal tasks and okay. then how we kind of evolved tried so many different things and now and how we landed on where we are today that's interesting so and so and so six years ago so i suppose airtasker and things like that weren't really a thing it was about the same time airtasker launched so we launched at a similar time okay wow um like so we've had a few conversations today with with different founders that have you know gone through that transition period i was just talking to the movember guys and I suppose you don't think about Movember as sort of being a startup or being, you know, a business that needs to transition and grow, but it yeah, really no. very, very much is. I mean, they've had to pivot internally lots of times to sort of uh, keep doing the great work they do. Yeah, um, I think it must be for every business then. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, so you had a, you had a, an idea um, out of uni basically to, to start an online business. Um, what sort of what sparked that? Uh, well, it was 2012 and. Marketplaces were kind of just getting momentum, so things like TaskRabbit had launched, Uber had just launched, and we thought there needed to be a place where busy people could outsource their chores to people with spare time. Yep. I was a uni student, Tom, my co-founder, was busy in a grad position, so it was kind of like, oh, this would work. Um, and that's where the idea came from, and then kind of we quickly learned that actually businesses were better customers for us. Okay. Um, and then we shifted, yeah, shifted to more of a business focus away from the how did How did you find that? Was it, was it just like, because those two-sided marketplaces are quite, are quite hard to set up, right? When you Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a real grind. Um, so 
in the beginning, we thought it was going to go bang. So mm. we, I remember sitting at my parents' living room table on the day we launched and we were like, this is so awesome. Like, I can't wait. <laughs> we went live and literally nothing happened. Yeah. So um, then we had to just hit the road and we walked into businesses, delivered cupcakes. We did cold calls. We fly it at Parliament Station. Just everything to try and get people to post jobs. Yeah. And slowly but surely, people started posting jobs and it was mainly like our friends, our family and, and the startup community who were amazingly supportive. Yeah. Um, and then when we had jobs, it was like, oh, how do we get people to do the jobs? Mm. It's even harder. So so I mentioned in my talk, my brother did over 100 jobs on SciGig and my little wow. brother because I'd call him <laughs> up and be like, hey, can you please do this job for me? <laughs> It's, um, I've, I've been involved, so we do um, web and app development, but involved in a couple of app startups that were sort of two, two-sided marketplaces. And like, I was probably, or a similar time, 2012, um, so I got involved in, a, in an equity position, which we can talk about, because I think you did a similar thing with an agency. Yeah. Um, and was, you know, same thing, like a bit naive probably, and super excited, great idea, executed well, launch and just nothing <laughs> yep. and, and like a free a free product so it was um a product called little birdie so it was um like a little birdie told me for, for nightclubs and pubs to have uh so basically the app would sync you in with a beacon device when you went into the pub and it would actually show sort of what pubs and clubs are you know are pumping wow. where people are and also be able to push like drink specials to you you know when you come in so if you've got the app being you know a special yep. could be pushed so from the pubs and clubs point of view they didn't have to pay anything to get on board initially and they just like people weren't interested. They were like, eh, "It's just another thing we have to deal with." And it was like because they had to put on the put on the, put, yeah, yeah, the specials like, yeah, and yeah, put it's up just the like, beacon. Oh, can't be bothered doing that, basically. Yeah, well, that's it's always kind of the way. You're a little bit naive, and then you kind of try every little different way and see what sticks. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know throwing spaghetti at the wall in the beginning and seeing what sticks, yeah. and then kind of narrowing your focus down. Like it was very much the same for us, um, and I think a lot of like a lot of startups fail because they get to the point where they've tried some things but they just don't go as far that as it needs step, to yeah. um yeah like you know airbnb wouldn't have worked if they had given up after 12 months and i think founders that don't founders that stick to the idea too too solidly and they're like well no this is it this is it this is it it's like well no maybe it isn't maybe it's something yeah slightly different 100 percent. that's something that i've really had to get used to like pretty quickly in my like pretty early in my journey that you cannot get too stuck on your own ideas and your own like preconceptions, yeah. Um, because nine out of ten times they're wrong, and then and and the customers actually tell you what what they need. Yeah. So you sure. just have to be Listen, listening to your yeah. customers and talking to them, and then testing. What were some of the things that outside of being surprised that it didn't sort of take off overnight? What are some of the <laughs> things that have surprised you? I suppose you know being in business and and especially sort of the online marketplace world. Um. I mean, I would say it's been surprisingly difficult to balance a marketplace. Mm. Like, you know, we spend a lot of time on growth and then we'll win big customers and then it'll still, in this day, like this far into our kind of our product and our journey, it's still sometimes hard to fill jobs. Yeah, okay. And that surprises me um, every time that happens. Yeah. And Espe- I get- Especially with sort of the job market as it is, right? Like you would think yeah. there's people out there, surely. Yeah, exactly. And we've got some really amazingly smart people in the business <laughs> working on that problem. Um, and, yeah, I, the other thing which, you know, you kind of learn that you it costs a lot more than you might have yeah, initially okay. thought to start a business and to keep it going. And in what areas did you find that in particular? Like, was it a certain facet of the business that... Um, mainly the technology yeah. and obviously the team. Yeah. Um, 
the technology piece I learned early. I, I, I when we first started, you would um, probably have a lot of people like me come to your <laughs> business and say, hey, I want to build this. Yeah. I want to build this product. And you're like, okay, it'll take this long and this is what we'll get out of it. And then you kind of think, okay, I'll be done. Yeah. And then I'll have a product and then I'll go do everything else. But technology is just a continuously yeah. growing beast and it's just, yeah. Con- you, I mean, you're lucky to have, I think, uh, you know, a, a tech founder to come in, you know, with equity. Um, yeah. But even then, it's still, it's still a struggle, right? Because, I mean, from their perspective, you know, and I'm not sure what the arrangement was like, it is an ongoing thing and, you know, it's, it's hard to have an external. So often people say you should have like a tech co-founder or, you know, in a, in a tech startup because there's so much more work there than meets the eye. Yeah. And like for our equity partner, which was loud and clear, mm. they, they still had to pay their staff yeah. when they were working on Psychic. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> even though they were an equity, um, like, yeah, a partner. And we wouldn't have made it without that relationship because we, you know, if we couldn't pay our bills, yeah. they would you know, let us delay them until we got, you know, a, a tax refund from the government or yeah, sure. until we started to get more clients. Um, and we got way more, you know, features out of what you would get from just a, a hands, kind of an arm's length transaction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they've done well for themselves. They, uh, well, yeah, it, so. yeah. It worked out for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> but I see that again and again. And, and like, it's something that it did, when I got into app stuff initially, like I was, yeah, young and naive and you know, like saw the dollar signs of building apps. So probably did educate clients enough about how hard that journey. I mean, I, and I don't really take on many startups these days. We work on a few, but because it's a, it's an emotional drain for us as the agency going to build it. You get involved in that journey too. And you know, mm. I don't, I've got overheads that I need to pay. And like, I, I'd love to dedicate my you know full team to it, but I you know, yeah. just can't do it. And you like, I think it goes down to choosing the right partners to work with. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the key things I, I touched on today in my talk was like, it's been so invaluable for us to choose partners that share the same values. Yeah. So first it was Tom and I as founders, we'd worked together, we'd been to uni together, we kind of knew each other. Then it was loud and clear who we really connected with the directors there and we had the same values. And then it was Seek as our investment partner. Yeah, cool. Because um, they also have to trust us yeah. that we're going to actually put everything into this and really give it 100%. Um, yeah. It's been a real recurring theme, I think, of that. You know, and it's, it's probably a bit cliche with people talking about, you know, aligning values, but it, it's so integral to, and successful businesses, you can see they have it, you know, with their customers too, right? Mm. You're actually aligning in values with your customers. So That's that hard to do. It is hard to do. <laughs> but I think more and more, and it's probably not so applicable to your business, but sort of like the, the, there needs to be that trust factor, right? Well, there has to be yeah. that trust factor. Yeah. And also, um, you know, we're doing something different in the industry. Yeah. Like. The, the companies we work with are using traditional temp agencies where they call up on the phone and then they get sent someone and they have no idea who's coming out and they just trust that one person that they spoke to and mm. they emailed. Whereas we're saying, actually, no, you can send the job out straight to the people yourselves. You can choose them. You can look at their ratings and reviews. It's actually a totally different way of working. So we need to be working with innovative companies, companies that are kind of coming into the future with us. And we very much work in partnership with a lot of our, our customers. How much vetting do you, guys, do, do you guys do on the platform? Like, is it Before they yeah. can, po- uh, can see. We, um, well, we actually vet customers and workers. Yep. Uh, but on the sidekick side, they, cut, they have to go through a screening process and come in for an interview. Cool. And they get skill tested. And then if they're successful, they set up their profile. Mm. And that's like the stage one. But once they're on the platform, then we have a continuous feedback loop where the customer's review and rate the sidekicks. Yep. Sidekicks also review and rate, rate the workers. I mean, sorry, the clients. Yep. And um, so that keeps that quality high. And we did some um, 
research recently with our customers and it just keeps coming back to the number one thing they want is quality of the worker. So the technology might be amazing and the transparency might be amazing and the price is great. It's much more competitive than other agencies. But in the end, if we don't send them an amazing worker, then we don't have a product. Mm. It's interesting that, and I think I, I read something in an article maybe you'd written about, you know, that human element still being important. Because you can imagine in a sort of peer-to-peer business like yours, the, the allure of, you know, removing that element so you could scale quickly, you know, yeah. just have it all, I don't know, algorithms or automation, blah, blah. But like, it, I personally think that, well, one, customer service, but two, that, you know, that, that human element of actually vetting the, um, the candidates is, is really important. Yeah, and that's something we're focused on from the very beginning is mm. the curation and the kind of the human element, which is why we have, you know, we have a team of 30 customer support people in Melbourne, yeah. Monday to Sunday, helping customers every single day. They know they can get, you know, we have, you know, 45 second response times, um, which is the second most important thing the customers yeah. want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. And on the on the, the psychic side, we've we've interviewed every psychic that's been on the platform, which yeah. is at over eight thousand. Wow. So it's like huge, obviously huge overheads and a huge cost to the business and you know, maybe we'll be able to solve that in the future, but mm. but we wouldn't risk that at the expense of quality. Yeah, and I like, uh, what's the, I always hear advertising podcast, there's a vegan Ameri- American like employment agency that just basically, uh, you know, like filters resumes and CVs to give you sort of, I can't remember what oh, it's called. Yeah, I know what you mean. But like, as a business owner, like hiring, and, and some of the stuff we've been talking about um, last couple of days with, with other business owners is, you know, people are the most critical thing. And even if it's a temporary worker, like you still, you can't shit people, right? So, yeah. you know, relying on you know, just an algorithm to do that, mm. it removes, you know, an element that is yeah. difficult to replace. I feel like you can use technology in smart ways yeah. to make that experience like better and the way we do that at Psychica is by using things like talent pools where by once you've hired a Psychic and you love working with them you add them to your talent pool and then you can just post jobs over and over to that person yeah cool so you can kind of start to you can try people and then you can start to build up your favorite group yeah um and that makes that kind of that quality risk a lot lower in temporary environment which has been you know a really challenging Thing. A lot of companies just hate temp, like yeah. hate temp agencies. They don't like using them. They get different people every time. Yeah. They don't know who's coming. So being able to use technology to reduce that friction yeah. is what we are focusing on. And, and having that transparency. So once as the ecosystem sort of matures and, and you can see, you know, quite deep reviews of, of mm. both the, the psychics, psychics and the um, and the, the people hiring them, it's like okay, well, you know, there's transparency here. Yeah, absolutely. And same for the workers. Seeing yeah, this, right. this this company, you know, has got ten five star reviews from other psychics. I'd love to work for them. Yeah, do you, do you get? I assume that the, um, the 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 customers, your clients, that you know, have to pay to use the service. Do, is, they, is there stress around them being reviewed? Like, do they? <laughs> yeah, but actually, most of our customers love that yeah. um, that kind of two way feedback loop because then it's often their like their supervisors that are actually posting the jobs. Yeah. Say in a stadium, you might have a, a supervisor for each um, outlet. And so they're actually getting feedback, real-time feedback in a secure, safe environment yep. on their full-time staff. Yeah, cool. And if there's any issues, then they can resolve them really quickly. And they actually ask, they're always asking for the reporting on, on that feedback. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I suppose that saves them time and money as well. Yeah, exactly. So how big is the team now? Uh, we have 75 in our head office. Wow. Um, and yeah, over 8,000 workers, sidekicks. Wow. So how's that been, like, 
So, so your role now is um, what's your what's your sort of day to day? <laughs> well, I'm head of expansion. Yeah, is my uh, <laughs> I guess my title. I work on generally work on what's the most important thing for the business at the time. Yeah. Um, but I've been spending a lot of time on looking at our new markets, our new verticals. Yeah, cool. What we want to do next. You know, we're very well established in events and hospitality and in event labour and exhibitions. Um, but now we really want to direct our focus on the industrial sector okay. and the white collar sector and start taking on those big temp firms that yeah. you know you see and, and love. Um, and that's that's where I'm focusing my time at the moment. Has it been, I mean, it must have been a real, because that's, that's, that's a very quick scale, right? From, from two to, you know, almost 100 in you know, yeah. a short period of time. Like how, how have you found that in, in person? Like you've obviously had to wear a lot of different hats, right? Yeah, it's been crazy like <laughs> so it was what three years ago we had four of us yeah now there's 75 um it's been full on but it's like been an amazing experience like it's actually so motivating getting people in to work on the same thing you're passionate about mm. but people who are smarter than you who are better at you better than you at that specific thing and um and kind of seeing them solve problems that you wouldn't have had any idea how to do yeah um that's exciting. Oh, and yeah, and having people working on your business that like you're learning from has been so kind of reinvigorating. I think that's part of why we've lasted so long as well because we just keep bringing really amazing people into the team and that keeps both Tom and I inspired as well. Did you have, have you had like mentors or like sort of what, what's, what's sort of given you the, like because a lot of founders I think try and cling to things for too long, right, and, and worry about bringing in those you know smarter people but obviously it's the you know the best way to go yeah and that's definitely like a, a real issue and it's very challenging um bringing in when it's just been you you've had control of all the decisions you've had control of parts of the business that you love working on mm. even if you might not have been that good at it yeah, sure. um and then you have to let that go and you do kind of go through a bit of a feeling of a loss like you know where what should i be doing um and that all kind of comes down to ego. It's like yeah. you need to step back and let people do their thing. Um, and, and you know, I think it was Steve Jobs who said, um, we don't hire people smarter than us to tell them what to do. Yeah, sure. Like you need to let – we tell we want them to tell us what to do. Um, so it definitely is an adjustment and it's a bit of a challenge. But I think if you want to succeed in business, you just have to let go of the ego and you have to know that it, you don't, you're not irreplaceable. You need to figure out what value you bring to the business. And for founders, a lot of the time it's the culture and it's the grind and it's the like the relentless pushing of improvements and of like performance. Yep. So you figure that out and then you kind of focus on that. And have you had like, I suppose, what, who's inspired you to sort of take that mindset? Like is it just learn, learn on, the, on the job or is there people <laughs> that sort of... I think it's just learn on the job, mm. yeah. Um, I've had heaps of not mentors per se, like I don't really use the term like, you know, a structured mentor. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I've learned a lot from a lot of people, both inside Kicker, at Seek, yeah. at other Melbourne startups, um, and obviously looking at the really successful high growth businesses um, and reading a lot. So you kind of just gather gather learnings from everywhere. And But in the end, like a lot of it is just getting in there, doing it yourself, yeah. and then learning. I mean, there's no real... You know, there's no degree that's going to give you a startup, you know, education, right? Like it's you kind of got to do it on the do yeah. the grind. Yeah, I think you have to. And a lot of people think that they're going to have an idea, then they're going to raise capital, and they're going to scale, and they're going to sell within a couple of years, and it's just not the reality. Yeah. And, and how do you broach? Because, because I mean, I think 
we all know, you know, in the space that that, that just isn't the reality. And there's, you know, a couple of unicorns that happen every now and then, but the most of it, it's, it's a grind, right? And it might yeah. be a, it might be a 15 year well, grind. Well, how old is Amazon? Yeah, not that old. No, pretty old. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. Like. In the big scheme of things. In the big, yeah, in the big scheme of yeah. things. Not like a Microsoft, but even that's like over like, what, 10 years, 10 seven years. years yeah. Yeah. Oh, longer than that. No, way longer than that. It'd be, yeah, 15 years. But yeah. But yeah, there's, I mean, nothing in that space is that old, right? We, I did a, I gave a talk looking at, it was a couple of years ago now, like what's changed from 2007 to 2017. And it's just like, it doesn't seem like, 2007 doesn't seem like that long ago. But, but everything's changed. Yeah. yeah. Like literally like the, you know, there was one tech company in the sort of uh, top 20 market caps and now it's like the top 10. Yeah. And um, there's that awesome slide where the Pope inauguration. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like everyone's there in 2007 and then like 2017 where everyone's got their iPhones. Yeah. yeah. And they weren't, they weren't even around. But it, I mean, it really has changed the way, like it, the, things like that, that, that you've created, like all, all these tools we have, which are great, all these peer-to-peer marketplaces, this technology, it's, it's really changed the way we live mm. and interact and, um, and it's really exciting. But I think yeah. it's, we're at a point now where it's also, I don't know, what you think about this, like we need to sort of look forward or maybe look back a bit and go like, shit, what have we done? Yeah. And how do we, you know, how do we walk you know, a bit, maybe a bit more carefully from here with tech? Or how do we make sure that we're prepared for what it's going to yeah. create and the repercussions that it might have both, well, positives, okay, but like more negative and in the, in terms of like um, legislation and yeah. frameworks and, um, but that's just, I think, about making sure that we're ahead of the game, yeah. <laughs> which is pretty hard with the way tech's moving at the moment. Yeah, and the way government operates. <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, and that's a worry. And I think if you look at how politicians sort of, I mean, nobody can really keep up with tech, right? Even, even if, you, if you're right into it, you, you can't keep up with everything. So no. it's, it's very hard to understand, I think, some of the, the changes that have taken place and the, the way it's you know, mm. interwoven into our well, lives. drones and yeah. driverless cars. I mean, even with the gig economy, mm. You know the employment frameworks around that just just haven't they don't fit. No. We at Psychica employ all of our staff as casual, so we don't fit in that gig world. But yeah. um, but it's like causing so much. It's it can really exploit workers. Yeah. And it's just no one's up to kind of date with that. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, legislation maybe moves too slow to do it. So how? I mean, it almost yeah. It it it's getting to a point now where some of these big. You know, tech corporates, you know, almost have to start thinking mm. about legislating themselves, right? Like, yeah, which seems to be what the new kind of thought <laughs> process is. Like, maybe it's on them <laughs> yeah. to start thinking, making sure we're, in, we're thinking in the best interest. It's, it's funny, like, because it's not really, like, it's, you know, on a Facebook, let's say, like, sure, like, they do have some, you know, ethical uh, um concerns and it comes back on them but they just started it's just a business right? I know. Like it's, and, and you know how far do you have to take that yeah but when you're i guess when you're affecting that many people mm. in that many countries you do have a certain level of responsibility, responsibility to make yeah. sure you're making decisions in the best interest of humanity yeah. <laughs> so what do you what do you see is sort of the next five years um both both of your business but it's just in general like what, what can you see on the horizon um well i think obviously um you know ai and uh, automation are going to be huge um, and I'm really interested to see A, how quickly that can actually come to yeah. Australia particularly um, and I'd, I'd love to see how that's going to work in terms of logistics yeah. uh, and for our business that will definitely be a big, um, you know, automation for example in certain industries, you know, will that replace the need for humans yeah. um, and AI 
and virtual reality like will that is that how we'll be interviewing sidekicks like imagine you can do it at home and you can do your 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 skills test your three plate carry your five plate clear just in your lounge room pretending to carry things Mm. um yeah i'm excited i hope it comes soon (laughs) yeah that's i've got a mate that works in um in in vr stuff he does training for on mine sites right so they do like um no go no go training um fairly simple sims but like yeah like they're actually using it sort of uh, in in practice so that's cool i think i'm actually talking to um, a guy about ai uh, in a couple of chats um there's so much hype around it, so much fear around it. I think it's going to take longer than we think. But, you know, de- definitely jobs are going to be replaced, but it's not going to be an overnight thing and all of a sudden everybody's oh, God, no. being replaced by AI. Yeah, and also, like, the the problem-solving ability of humans mm. is really where we add value. Yeah. And yeah, it's definitely. same with, like, when you're growing a business and you're hiring new people, people just need to be thinking about where they can add value. And if you're adding value, then you won't be replaced by a robot. No. No, and, and, it, and those potentially more you know um yeah jobs that can just be automated that are sort of you know um a robotic style of job where the same thing happens over and over again well maybe that's a good thing to get you know replaced by whatever it might be and then a new job opens up and Mm. i I think people that they go too far talking about this sort of like world where we can all be creative because all the mundanes Mm. i don't really foresee that ever happening no and we like you know the government will need to make sure that that everyone from every kind of element of life is is protected and supported yeah that's right which is a bit of a challenge it will be a challenge it's exciting though yeah are you excited by the future or is it is it worrying no i'm excited i mean well, i'm a digital native i love it <laughs> um, bring it on i just got an apple watch oh nice it took me so long but oh my gosh i absolutely love it the, the, the new the, the new revision of it is much better the old Apparently, one the battery yeah. was really shit but and um, the like the kind of heart rate monitoring and the sensitivity is a lot better and it's waterproof i dig like i love like i've got a fitbit one but i love the ability you know to track health and you know be able to have that control over i suppose yeah your actual physical well-being and yeah i think the the future of sort of um biotech is really exciting that's where some of the cool stuff's going to happen yeah and things like you know being able to monitor you know epilepsy and allergic reactions and things like that through biotech yeah like that's a huge positive and that might save a lot of lives it definitely will And, and improve the quality of lives too yeah. Um, that's exciting. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having a chat. No problem. Are you, are you hanging you. around for the rest of the pause or um, back to I work? I think I'm going to come back tomorrow. Yeah. Um, now the talk's over, I can relax and I can uh, <laughs> come and see some other people. Nice. And go have a glass of wine. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, thanks so much. Thanks so much. Hey, everybody. Sam here again. Thanks so much to Jackie. If you want to find out more about Sidekicker, you can head to sidekicker.com. Again, Pause Fest has been released 5th to the 7th of February. Go and get your tickets now. And, of course, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends. Jump onto iTunes or Google Play and leave a review. We would love to hear some feedback. Um, And we'll catch you in a couple of weeks' time with the next episode. Cheers. Bye.